The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. I say often that we are only as good as the people we have around us, but also we are only as good as our own actions. We can always finger point at others for uh, the lack of success in our own world, when actually you should just finger point at yourself. Welcome to The Path. I'm Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top leaders to talk about the decisions that shape their unique careers and how these valuable lessons can help you forge your own path. Today, I sit down with the man you can thank for making Spanish tapas popular in the United States, Jose Andres. Jose is a chef, a humanitarian, an educator, an entrepreneur, and even a media tycoon. Here's how Jose Andres paved his path. I want to go way back to where this all started. A young Jose in Spain, Take me back to maybe the first time you ever remember thinking about what you wanted to be when you grew up. Probably like, like yourself, like all of us, I, I wanted to be a lot of things. When I saw that we had people going to the moon, I wanted to be an astronaut. When I visited a hospital with my dad and my mom because they were nurses, I wanted to be them because I thought it was so cool. I wanted to be a NBA player. All those childhood memories of who I wanted to be, they play an amazing part of the life that I took and who, in a way, I'm becoming, because you never stop becoming. When did you decide you wanted to be a chef? Was that part of it at any point? I I think I'm still deciding if I want to be a chef, because the more I know, the more I know nothing. Mm. Everybody makes me an expert on Spanish cooking, but every time I travel across Spain, every single day, it's five new things I learned that I was not even aware of. And I collect old books and I read them and I visit places and cheese makers and I go fishing deep down in the ocean to know where the gamba roja, the reddest rim is coming from. I'm trying to go to every edge to learn only Spanish cooking. Forget about the rest of the world. So the more I know, the more I know, I know nothing. But for me, it was very important to realize that very early on, watching my mom and my dad cooking at home, going on my bike for the bread every morning, because I was the older brother of four, going to buy the fruit with my mom, going to buy the fish with my dad, bringing it all home, and then in a tiny kitchen that if you open the refrigerator, somebody had to move out. But the beautiful small kitchen, that amazing things and the smells will come out. I think very early on, I always wanted to be a cook because I saw how my mom and my father used work creating happiness out of just feeding the family. Those were happy moments and Sims food was always around. So I think it's not like I decided to be a cook. Food made me join them. I love that. So what I've learned already quickly is continuous learning seems to be really, really important to you. But What part did school play for you early on? Was that an important part of where you thought you wanted to learn? Well, the school was um, 
a place I have amazing memories, but at the same time, I realized the school system was not great for me. To be in a room and having to memorize 40 Spanish kings. For what? I don't even know the team, the, all the soccer players in the soccer team. That's why I left school fairly young. I didn't finish high school, I think. I only finalized the first year. And my father saw this and sent me to culinary school, which I didn't go because the school was new and didn't even have a kitchen. So I started never going to school and I began going to restaurants because that's where the real learning was. I began learning that the best way to learn was to be in the world. If I could be now the Minister of Education for Planet Earth, I will make it mandatory that every single one has to be spending five, 10 years of learning use, traveling around the world, learning the things in the places that things happen, bringing everybody in a very crazy way together by sending everybody far away. Life should be like that uh, versus in a way that seems that sometimes education puts us in, in a box. I think we need to create systems that we are all more out of the box and more interconnected. You just created a new role, and I think you'd be a, a great candidate for that role. I know in part of your career, you were in the Navy. What was that experience of your life like? But for me, joining the Spanish uh, Navy was something that was in my destiny. Mm-hmm. Because very young, I saw one ship that is almost like something you never forget. Four mast, tall ship, Juan Sebastián del Cano the training ship of the midshipmen of the Spanish Navy, that everybody knows that that ship travels the world. Life, many years later, gave me the opportunity to be in the Spanish Navy, but they put me cooking for the Admiral, which in a way was a blessing, but in a way was a course. I wanted to be on a boat, no cooking in another kitchen. I was doing that in my young years already, but I knock on the door. I told him, I love to cook for you, but I want to see the world. I began visiting Abidjan, Ivory Coast, and spending there seven, eight days and visiting Rio de Janeiro and going to Fortaleza and Maceió and, and, and going to Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo. That, as a young person, that was very impactful. Fast forward a couple of years and Jose is out of the military, jobless, with only $50 in his pocket and a set of cooking knives. That's when he decides to go all in on a lifelong dream and move to New York City. He worked his way up to being a cook in Manhattan. And just two years later, in 1993, he was asked to lead the kitchen at a new tapas restaurant in Washington, D.C. named Haleo. At the time, Americans weren't familiar with Spanish tapas, but Jose changed that. Haleo became a huge success. His work ignited an interest in Spanish cuisine for decades to come and put Jose on the map as one of the best chefs in the world. He would go on to open over 30 restaurants worldwide, even earning himself two Michelin stars. You made a decision from working in the kitchens of someone else to going out on your own. That jump to be an entrepreneur uh, is hard for a lot of people. What was pushing you to go and do that? Well, I, I didn't really became an entrepreneur for my own decision. Mm. I became an entrepreneur because other people helped me to become one. I had a lot of people that make me smarter and wiser. The people that hired me, they were the ones that allowed me to become the entrepreneur I've become. Mm. That's why in my life I'm trying just to keep 
paying back, give me a lot of joy when I have people used to work with me and, and move on their own and try to open their own restaurants. And for me, the best I can do is how can I help them? And there's many ways you can help. But for me, being an entrepreneur is the realization that you are the owner of your business, even if you don't own one share and taking true ownership in everything you do. I think this is something like I've always realized that one place I've been, I've always to make it like my own because pride, because you want it to be the best it can be. My guess is what you just said is probably at the heart of why you are so successful. Have you found a way to impart that way of thinking on other people or to help other people realize that? Do you think you're just born with that? I, I say often that we are only as good as the people we have around us, but also we are only as good as our own actions. Um, we can always finger point at others for uh, the lack of success in our own world, when actually you should just finger point at yourself. Life, in a way, is like a big highway. You, you are the one that decides when to take an exit when you are not enjoying that, that path anymore. I love that. We'll have the power. Yeah. But for me, I think it was just the realization that I was proud in what I did. I was proud in what I cook. And if something was not allowing me to be successful on that front, I will speak up. I will never keep my mouth shut. We all have the responsibility to not only make the best of ourselves, but to make everybody else around us better too. And in a process, the business we are part of, the city we are part of. We can all complain about how dirty the cities are. We can all complain to the mayor. We can all, we can all start you picking up a piece of paper and putting it on the garbage. You see, uh, sometimes when you want to change the world. Sometimes it starts used by one plate of food at a time or used by picking up a piece of paper and putting it on the garbage can. In 2010, Jose formed his nonprofit called World Central Kitchen, an instant reaction to the devastating earthquake in Haiti. He flew into the island with no plan but to feed as many people as he could. And he used that experience to later help in future catastrophes, volcanic eruptions in Guatemala, wildfires in California, and hurricanes in Puerto Rico. His work earned him a nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize. To date, his organization has served over 250 million meals to communities in need, most recently in Turkey and Syria, where he and his team arrived just three days after the massive earthquake shook the region, providing meals to survivors and rescue workers on the ground. You're this, you know, I have to imagine extremely busy CEO and entrepreneur. You've got a lot going on. And at the same time, you decide that you're going to go and take on this massive responsibility for the world. How did you think about that? For me, it was this, this very simple realization that it's hard to be in a community, in a city, or in a planet that you know you're doing well, but then others are not. And what's the role that all of us, we can be doing to, to improve the lives and the situations of other people. To talk about it is very easy. To make practical uh, things and solutions and ideas that really resolve the problems, that's where it's very hard. And how do you do it when you have government and, 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 and NGOs and private sector? And, and that's why for me, life is about a continuous search in how all of those things can at once become a very powerful tool. So... 
I can be talking all day like I'm doing here with you. We can all be talking and everybody will agree with us and everybody will clap. But if the only thing we'll do all day is talking and everybody clapping, you have a self kind of believe that everything is right. But the truth is that nothing is happening. That's why for me, boots on the ground is so important. That's why for me, being there where the problems are, are so important because it's the only way I really understand them. So from hunger to poverty, to food deserts, to obesity, to all the, to climate change, food is right in the middle. And food for me has been this amazing medium that if I put food in the center and I try to solve all the problems the world faces by giving power to food, it's a fascinating game, which is real. Because food right now is energy, because they are making gas out of corn. And he's making corn, sometimes prices go up, and that's why people are hungry in some countries around the world. And food is immigration, and, and food is a science, how we can produce better and more without taxing our planet so much. And we can keep going, and food is defense and national security. And food, at the end, is tell me what you eat, and I'll tell you who you are. It's not just who you are culturally, but it's what you believe in, in the way you want to be part of making the world a Better place through one plate of food. That's why I created a class at George Washington University over 11 years ago, where we put food in the middle and analyze food from every angle. That's why I want to do a global food institute to try to impact over the next 30 years the policies that are voted in Congress in America and around the world. So our politicians who never ever talk about food start giving more importance to food. That's the kind of thinking I have. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's really about a change of mindset. How do we help empower hundreds of millions of people across the world to think about the world differently, to think about opportunity differently? You know, I get this question all the time from people earlier on in their careers. What's your best career advice? How should I think about my career? And your story, your path is so unique. It's so inspirational. So I'm curious, what's the advice that you would give to someone who's just trying to figure out they want to be part of something bigger, where they don't know where to start? Well, one of the things I really realized early on was humans, in a way, we are used, I would not say unhappy, but it seems we always look far away to see the happiness, the happiness we don't seem to have where we are at the personal level, at the family level, at the work level. But very often we miss the biggest opportunity that is right in the place we are. By looking so much out, we lose the opportunity to make something amazing right in the place we control with the people we love and know. That that's the power you have. So I will tell always everybody, it's, it's okay to look out. I done it and works. But it's okay to realize where you are, too. Jose is a big believer in taking action right where you are, right now. It's a part of his owner's mindset. From the time he was an aspiring chef in Spain to his years as an entrepreneur, Jose's always taking control of his career path. But Jose's sense of ownership goes a lot further than just his career. He cares deeply about others, and throughout life, He's looked for ways to use his passion for food and cooking to have an impact. Having a positive social impact can be rewarding, and there are tons of ways to do it using your unique skills. So if you're looking to have impact, how do you get started? 
We'll get into that after the break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Welcome back to The Path. Before the break, I talked with Jose about how he went from being a chef to an entrepreneur and humanitarian. Jose is a lifelong learner, and he's passionately curious about the world. That puts him in an incredible position to dream up new ways to do the work he loves and help people at the same time. For Jose, that meant launching a nonprofit, but there are so many other ways of having an impact through your work. For an idea of where to get started, I turned to Nick Martin, professor at Columbia University and author of the LinkedIn learning course, Build a Career for Positive Social Impact. If you're thinking about having a career in social impact or wanting to have more impact in the world, I think it's really important to look inward first. Defining our why we want to do something, our motivation is so critical. And values are the language of motivation. They help us give names and texture and meaning to the motivations that shape us. And I think this is so important because if you just say to yourself, I want to work in climate change, but you don't have a personal reason why or you don't have a motivation, you might not be able to really go the distance and connect with that work or that sense of impact fully. So looking inward is such a critical first step, no matter what you want to do in the world. After you've defined your motivation and your values, you want to explore your skills and experiences. So if you're in a current job, what skills are you good at and what do you like to do? What skills do you want to use in your job? And really be specific here. Focus on skill sets first, not just the job titles. So once you've determined your values, you've established your transferable skills, really the decision is yours whether or not you want to wholesale pursue a career in the social sector, which means working for a nonprofit, a philanthropy, a large governmental or multilateral organization. But look, you may not want to have a full-time job focused on this. If you aren't looking to go into the nonprofit sector or have a job you love but want to have more impact, you don't have to leave your job. Chances are you can make an impact at your current company. 
So say you're an engineer and you work for a corporate entity or company and you want to have an impact, but you don't know where to start. You go through a values audit and you recognize that your core values are compassion and integrity and your transferable skills, while you have many, don't really push you to seek a full-time career or job outside your current employer. There's still a ton of ways that you inside your company can add value to the social impact space. One of the things I like to say to start with is to check with your HR rep to see if your organization is part of the Pledge 1%. This is a global corporate philanthropy movement. There are other matching programs. Maybe they even sponsor organizations like World Food Kitchen. If you have an employment engagement team or HR rep, there are often opportunities for you as a corporate employee to take a sabbatical and go work on a, an issue you really care about or do a professional fellowship program that has you staying in your current role, but volunteering or working with partner organizations that are more directly addressing the issue at hand. So there are a number of opportunities should you choose to do so within your organization. The other thing I would say, this is a bit of a tip, read your organization's company's annual impact report. This is so popular these days, a number of companies are producing these documents working on things like ESG, DEI, CSR. Look at them and see where your skills and your passions and your values align because there may be other roles inside the same company that excite you that you can contribute, maybe not in a full-time capacity, but maybe in a part-time capacity. So again, there are lots of tips here, but being a little more heads up about what the company is doing can go a long way. We are also seeing so many ways to have an impact not through work. Those can be things like volunteering, part-time side hustles, sabbaticals, professional fellowships, you name it. I would also make the case that this four-day workweek movement that is becoming quite popular right now is another opportunity to have an impact, to express values outside or alongside of traditional jobs. So let's just play that out for a bit. For instance, let's say you're passionate about fighting climate change, but that's not where you're currently working or that's not a job that you have. How do you make a difference? Well, you could do a professional fellowship program like the Climate Justice Fellowship. You could volunteer your time in organizations like Humanitarian Open Street Map. This is a super popular option for my students in my Columbia University class. You could even get involved in climate advocacy work with organizations like 350.org, Climate Alliance, or the Climate Action Network. Look, these are just a few examples, but there's nothing that says you have to switch your jobs wholesale in order to make an impact in the world. There's so much you can do in your own backyard. So here's my takeaway. If you embrace an owner's mindset, a world of options will open up to you. But it's all about taking action, not talking about it. Like Jose said, if you wanna change the world, you can either complain that your city is dirty or you can go outside and start picking up trash. So no matter what job you have or where you wanna have an impact, don't wait. Start taking action wherever you are right now. Follow the path for more episodes weekly and join the conversation about each episode on linkedin.com slash the path. The path is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Ava Ahmadbegi, Stephen Valdivia, and Rachel Wong. Asaf Gidron mixes our show. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop, and Dan Roth is our editor-in-chief. 
Thanks to Tatiana Delmida, Caroline Gaffney, and Valerie Berry. And thanks to Nick Martin. For more resources on how to have an impact, check out his LinkedIn learning course, Build a Career for Positive Social Impact.